You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Welcome to PIM Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabberg. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. Hi, and welcome back to Pim Talk after a short summer break. And uh, I hope you have had a good vacation or staycation, which a lot of us have had this year, I think. And uh, we're back for a new season, and we're going to continue having all kinds of different guests diving more into the world of product information management. And today, I'm happy to have Ritesh at Perficient as a guest, and we're going to look into how you can justify uh, PIM investment within your organization, but also, in particular, some insights from the furniture industry and how they can leverage PIM in a good way. But uh, let's go directly into the talk. So today I'm very happy to have Ritesh Kesker, um, Senior PIM Consultant at Perficient on the show. So welcome, Ritesh. Thank you, Thomas. Happy to be here. Yeah. And Perficient is, of course, one of our major implementation partners in the US. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, PIM, of course, in, in different ways. And we're also going to touch upon the, the furniture industry, where also you have some uh, specific insights and you have worked with many furniture companies. But first, maybe you could introduce yourself a little bit, uh, how you encountered PIM in the beginning and what you do at Proficient. Sure. Thank you, Thomas. Um, Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a senior PIM consultant and also a practice director for our, within our commerce division. So our commerce and PIM, of course, as everybody knows, um, goes hand in hand, uh, works together, and it's part of our practice. Um, my journey with PIM and at the same time with InRiver started about seven, eight, almost eight years ago, um, seven and a half years ago. Um, our my our former company that got acquired by Proficient, um, so basically our former CEO, they were in talks with a couple of companies. Um, they met with InRiver CEO. They were looking to expand the portfolio and I'm sure InRiver was looking to expand in the US market. Yeah. Um, so from that, um, and at the same time, I, I used to do program management at that point. And then so as we are adding a new practice, um, working closely with my uh, CEO at that point, 
uh, we put we spun up a new practice called it pim practice as part of our offering um, and then you know as got the team trained we got through the technology training we got through the subject matter uh, domain training um, and that's kind of how we got introduced to to pim uh, as as a concept and also in river as a company and when you started with that i mean seven or eight years ago when when you met companies talking about this did they know what pim was or um clients less so uh, but product companies we did come across i mean we were looking at a few other ones too um i in fact even went to another uh mdm pim product company training in chicago ages ago um so yeah we were from a platform company perspective we were looking at it but in client conversations it was like navigating a new waters you know it's navigating a new territory yeah i mean that's in the past you're forgiven for going to a training for another you know vendor thank you <laughs> so, yeah but, but but i mean it was also another time i mean a lot have happened since then uh, I guess then also in River Pim was an on-premise solution, so so it was something that you installed either on your own server or or you hosted this solution somewhere, and sort of you had to manage every single instance separately. So how do you see now when we have gone being a SaaS solution? What what different does that make for for the customers that are are working with Pim today? Sure. Yeah. And I'll maybe take a small step back and introduce uh, my background and also Proficient's portfolio in a sentence. Um, in, in you know, Proficient's a digital agency services delivery uh, company. Um, so we have digital strategy, consultation, platform implementation, managed services, uh, UX and design, what have you, right? So all that in the portfolio. Now, Correlating that to where I came from, um, coming out of college like a million years ago. Um, so I, I traditionally worked or I, I initially worked in custom software development. Um, so now fast forward that with the PIM journey, uh, I'll jump ahead. And so when we started working with InRiver and the on-prem solution, it to me, it was an easy uh, way to onboard because that's how I used to think is you know, I'm a technology guy. I can make anything happen. It's it will integrate anything to anything, and will write code, right? So, from that mindset, it wasn't new. But as you asked before, from a PIM domain mindset, it's a new territory to navigate. Um, so then, the implementing the the custom software, uh, custom application. The interesting thing for that was once you're past that initial. What is PIM? Why do we need it? What can we do in it? Uh, what capabilities does it provide? There were a couple of implementations where we actually did a lot of custom development. So we had plugins and add-ons to the desktop, you know, on-prem application. So that's a pro in that mod model. But then everybody is going digital. There's no way out of it. And there is a genuine need to go SaaS so you can sort of divide and conquer between services industry, the product company, and the company themselves, right? So at the end of the day, the goal is that when a company purchases a product, they prefer to be as much hands-off as possible in the long run. I mean, they'll use it, they'll use it as a, as a user, product manager, but they would prefer not to write code every six months or every three months. Yeah. And so with sort of a SaaS model, 
that helps them. So InRiverwood is continuing to enhance the product. Um, they're also continuing to add uh, apps and modules and syndication. And so these things sort of help because then it's not a burden for the client who's purchasing the software that they have to reach out to a services delivery team every time and say, okay, now I have to send data to Amazon, write a connector. I have to send a data to eBay, write a connector. So, yeah. and the whole maintenance aspect also then InRiverwood can help with. Yeah, and it's not so much of, you know, going from version 4 to version 5 to version 6 to version 7. So you always have those upgrade projects that can be, you know, quite big. Uh, and uh, now you can focus on on other parts of the the actual value that you can get from the solution and, and add new channels, add new ways of automating how you work. Uh, and so on, and benefit f- from from all the new development that comes. Yeah, it's, um, I guess one thing. So when before commerce and PIM, I I had exposure to insurance industry, and it was a similar mindset that we are an insurance. Sounds boring. <laughs> well, you know, I won't I won't uh, compare, but yes, I enjoy commerce and PIM way more. Let's just say that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean. Uh, the mindset typically exactly like you said is we are a manufacturing company or we are an insurance company or we are a product company. We're not a technology company in a lot of terms. So they would prefer to have a product company do a continuous development, continuous deployment so that they don't have to worry about it. Exactly. And I think we can both agree that PIM is more than a product. It's more than a system. Uh, And what would you say uh, sort of a tip or a recommendation for a company that wants to see if they can make use of PIM? Where should they start? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's as, as I've learned more and more, this has become one of my passions to speak about is um, we start having PIM conversations from product information, put that in the system, create a central single source of truth and provide it primarily to commerce and other channels. Um, but that journey, even in initial conversations when we are trying to figure out if somebody should have a PIM or should not have a PIM, it's not just one channel. It's not just for storing product data, right? So to your point, um, the conversation sort of drives from what happens when you get product information in one place. Why are you doing it? Who are you serving? So it's sort of that's sort of the thought process behind it. And I mean, the world's matured so much in the digital space and with social media and uh, even e-commerce in general that PIM can serve almost every channel that's out there. So just call a few few of those out. In addition to commerce, there's point of sales. There is, uh, you know, social channel like Instagram sales or something. Um, there is syndication feeds. Uh, there is companies uh, reaching out to the PIM platform through an API to pull the information out. So there are many different ways in which product information is relevant and can be provided to external systems. And so we've been talking more and more to clients about the, the full journey. And even if we say pure commerce journey, right? How does it help a buyer in their buying journey and how does it streamline their experience? Product information has a lot to do with it. it it's almost like 
a foundational, if your foundation is not accurate and there are errors in it and if the data doesn't sync, then no matter how good looking the login or homepage screen is, the buyer will leave the site. So yeah, we, we sort of connect this this end-to-end essentially in our conversations, even if it doesn't have to be part of, or even if it is not part of implementation, it's a, it's a conversation that who's your buyer, what's the experience we are providing, who wants the product information. Um, and I forgot to uh, mention one other key piece is search. Um, a lot of times, PIM will feed information to commerce. Commerce will have uh, inbuilt search. But in many other cases, we've also had a conversation about what if we feed directly to search? So again, I won't go into implementation and architecture stuff, but it's very important. Like, how do users search for product information? And so what metadata we want to provide and what tagging we want to provide and what links we want to provide. So essentially, all this comes together is it's it's matured quite a bit. The expectations of buyers is they want things at fingertips, which is which totally makes sense. Um, and PIM helps that. But I, I guess also if you look uh, sort of in an enterprise architecture with a customer, you will find that there are all kinds of different systems. And, and besides maybe their legacy systems, there are, are other types of systems that is more known for the general managers or the CEO. I mean, like everyone knows what's, a, what, what's an ERP or a CRM solution or an e-commerce solution. So, so how do you make your case uh, to justify a PIM product? How, how, how would you go about uh, sort of doing that? Sure. Um, yeah, so one of the things we've, we've started doing in the last couple of years is trans, transition the words and, and explanation to visuals, right? Pictures speak louder than words. Um, so we start to draw things out about who, what system, uh, how they integrate, and what is their purpose, right? So I sort of created, with, with our team's help, we sort of created uh, a guideline and, and a, um, a model where we walk the companies through to say, what is the purpose of each system within your organization? Yeah. There are certainly overlaps. Like if we start to expand the PIM to MDM, PLM to PIM, PIM to M, uh, uh, CRM, um, things like that. Like there, there are certainly overlap. PIM to DAM. Like there are cer- there are certain overlaps in it that both systems could sort of manage similar type of information. But there are genuine use cases where each system has its own place. They have their own workflows. They have their own need in the organization. So we actually try to map out the enterprise architecture in 99% of our engagements just to draw it out. Even if we don't have anything to do with integrating it or writing code or assigning resources or any of that, it's just good to have that visual in front. Yeah. And I guess one other piece I'd mention is we literally just uh, uh, completed our three blog series about CPQ, like how CPQ now talks to CPQ being product configuration, yeah, or configure price code. So in the for some buyers asking for code, so we're connecting all those dots to say how CPQ talks to PIM and how does it work well with CRM and ERP and how does PIM work well with CRM and ERP and things like that. So it's kind of in the DNA. You have to have uh, these conversations. You have to ask these questions and then figure out 
where PIM exactly fits in and what's the scope around it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here, I think also you touch upon the value that uh, a partner like yourselves at Perficient can can give a customer because it's it's very hard uh, to to sort of internally be able to to see what the future architecture could look like and and what's the best way of of using different kinds of systems. And us as a, as a product company uh, specializing in PIM, we, we can't be experts in, in all other domains either. So we are dependent on good advisors that can make uh, the PIM product successful because it's not enough just having a, a good product, uh, product and a lot of functionality. I mean, it's, it's about how you work configuring it, but also how you help the, the company change their internal processes how they change um everything from from ownership to um to uh, basically the whole product life cycle that might change uh, when they implement pim exactly yeah welcome to pim talk the product marketing podcast and uh, after this short break we're gonna continue talk about ritesh more specifically about pim and the furniture industry PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. I also want to touch upon, I think we, we mentioned um, that you have worked with several furniture companies. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you worked with Jordan's Furniture, Ashley Furniture, Ethan Allen. And you recently also uh, wrote a white paper around, you know, uh, working with PIM within the furniture space. So in what way can companies within this industry benefit from PIM, would you say? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so... As you said, since we've worked with uh, a, a few different furniture companies, we sort of felt like we got to a point where, you know, technically and domain-wise, we've got ton of experience under our belt to have an opinion about how to think about PIM and commerce in that space. So that sort of led us to draft this white paper, and then we also, you know, wrote a, a blog. The the idea behind that is, uh, you know, commerce in general has been on an up, up uh, trajectory. I mean, it's it's been on a growth path, I should say, um, for over a decade. Um, and then specifically in furniture industry, um, basically there's been there is a, been a, a tremendous growth, and it's projected that even in next four to five years, it the growth is continuing to to be there. Um, so, you know, we started looking at some stats and there's billions of dollars of revenue that, um, that is out there that companies can still generate and that that's going to grow. So it's not my statistics. I started looking at analyst reports and st statistics in the market. 
So we we started looking at, you know, number one's potential, like there's potential in the market. And then number two, the the big thing is at the furniture industry is interesting because I sort of merge it like a, a fashion sector merging with a traditional manufacturing sector. Um, if I can take the liberty of saying that. Um, because in furniture, there's this whole experience aspect is very important. So that's what we wanted to highlight in the white paper that, you know, buyers want these micro moments, right? They they want to look at a piece of furniture, a couch, sofa, I mean, uh, a couch, a chair, uh, coffee table, uh, entertainment center, etc. They want different options on it. There's a 360 imaging. And then they want to see how it looks like in their home, in their living room, and so on. Yeah, I mean, you're walking around in your house, and you're you're saying, "Oh, I should buy a new lamp," or "or Oh, I'm so tired of this old sofa." And and in that moment, you you want to get inspiration. You want to see how a certain product looks like in your room. And I mean, besides, I mean, inspirational images. We we also now have. AR, for example, augmented reality, and I know Ethan Allen, for instance, has implemented that. And you know, I know that IKEA is doing similar stuff, uh, and uh, I think that that is something that's going to be really huge. And, and you need product information to to do those kinds of things. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that was our goal to start to speak about the importance of the buyer experience, the micro moments, um, the AR VR, like you said, sort of experience where they can take a picture um, of a product or screenshot and then or just move the phone over your living room and experience that. But to get to that that type of experience, you need images and you need accurate product information. I mean, so other than that, you won't be able to get the right dimensions and perspective. Now, taking that to the next step, uh, how, how does that help? So if, if the visualizing is an almost like an in-store experience, then that takes the buyers to almost a buying journey, get them to the shopping cart. I mean, you, of course, don't want to lose your buyers after the browsing experience. So the white paper starts are talking about that, and we can go into more in-depth and connect the dots from product information to buying journey um, to help furniture industries from that aspect. Yeah. And, I mean, if you're interested in... Uh Reading more about this, we have links where you can sort of get this white paper in the show notes. Uh, so there you can get more insights and, and inspiration around this. And even if you're in another industry, I think you can learn a lot about this uh, user case as well. Yeah. And I'll mention too that, and thank you for mentioning that, Thomas. Um, the The other key piece that we have learned over the years and then we explain to we talk to companies about it is pim doesn't have to be or it isn't that you know big scary technology implementation um so like like you mentioned the links and the information that we would post later it's actually talking about that that speed to value or speed to market is so critical that there, there's always this, you know, in traditional sense, there's always this crawl, walk, run, fly type of approach. Yeah. And us working collectively with companies, we can help them in the crawl approach, right? Even if it's furniture industry or any industry. And so that's one of the things that we've been talking quite a bit about is saying, you know, get the product information right, get the platform in place, 
let's enable one channel and do the onboarding, get everybody used to using the platform, and then let's go from there. Yeah. So speed to value is so critical these days um, across the board that, that like, like you said earlier, I mean, it's a back-end system. It comes across as an investment. It's not something that the external buyer directly interacts with. So the speed to value just has a lot of value. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think we are sort of um, getting into to the later parts of uh, our interview here. I mean, it's it's great having you on the show and also great to have you in the community. And I don't know, have you been to Sweden? I have been to Sweden, yes. Uh, once, like five, five years ago, attended a pinpoint event on behalf of our company. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't have the physical event this year. You know, we have the Pinpoint Summit here in Malmö, Sweden. We also have Pinpoint Americas in Chicago. And we're going to have a digital Pinpoint here in, in a couple of months. Uh, um, but uh, how did you find Sweden? It, it was great. Um, it was, I mean, highlights of one of my really uh, fun travel stories. And you're right. I mean, we'll, we'll be part of the the virtual pinpoint this year too but the the sweden the sweden experience was great i mean first time visiting pinpoint first time visiting sweden and you know i was this in this mindset of let's meet everybody let's do the networking learn about the product we did the conference we did the training um and then you know there's the the awards for you know partner awards customer implementation awards and so on and uh you know, I mean, I, I can touch on one interesting memory that I have from from that experience is, you know, you go through a day's day long of meetings and sessions and webinars and training and things like that. And you get to the tail end and have dinner. And I was in that mindset that, OK, let's this is great. See you tomorrow in the training. I'm going to my hotel room. And then in River team was was so gracious and, and, and generous to to take care of us and also show us around. And so the team offered that, hey, let's come over to our in-river office and check it out. Not sure if we'll get time tomorrow or not. So I was like, yeah, I would love to. Not sure will I come back to Sweden. Well, I didn't know that we were not just going to check out the office. It was almost midnight. And I mean, we went to in-river's office and we started, you know, there was a, we started playing ping pong, you know, table tennis Yeah. Um, for next hour, couple hours, and then finally went to bed at like two in the morning. And it was great. I mean, in, in, in a nutshell, there was a perfect definition of work hard, play hard. Absolutely. Like we went through a day's session of, of product information, training, knowledge, and then we're, we're playing ping pong at midnight. So I'll never, never forget that. Yeah, and I think that's so great also about getting together sort of a, in these pinpoints events that, I mean, everyone is sort of also partying together or doing activities. Uh, I mean, it's a mix of partners and customers and in Riverians and all of that. And uh, and I mean, those are mem memories that sort of bonds you together. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's so much easier to work together as well if you have those shared memories um, together. So I think that's great. Yeah, it was, it was it's good memory. Never forget that. So um, besides work, what do you like to do on your spare time? Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've always loved sports. I've always been uh, in sports growing up, but it feels like every 10 years I find a new passion. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up playing uh, tennis uh, as a kid. I used to compete. Uh, I'm far away from it now. 
so, uh, and then, you know, these days, uh, I'm in, I'm in Denver, Colorado here in us. Uh, so there's easy access to mountains, uh, 30 minute, 40 minute drive. And you're, you're at the base of a mountain and uh, you do hiking. I started getting back into biking. So road biking and now slowly picking up mountain biking. Um, and, and then my, to keep the balance between my engineer mind and the technology mind, my other part of my brain also does uh, photography and I have a good passion for it and I have like gadgets and set up and things like that. So gadgets yeah, is important, right? It's... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the, my my brain starts to process numbers and calculations and settings and things like that, and then you produce the images that you want to get out of it. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a combination of a bit of photography. Um, I read a lot. I big fan of podcasts. Um, so yeah, I think sort of a combination of sports and art a little bit hopefully keeps me balanced. Yeah, and I think you also you said that you sort of binged listened to uh, the Pimp Talk podcast while walking your dog as well, right? I I did I did um, somewhere between February of this year till April or May I think I binge listened every single episode. Glad to hear it, uh, and um, also again happy to have the you on the show, and uh, also g- great to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on your uh, on your podcast. I'll see you around. Great, thank you. Right now there is a number of exciting webinars that you can sign up to if you go to the River website under about us section and events so the first one is the future proof digital commerce with uh, one of our founders Johan Boström and Marcus Guldberg at um, Microsoft and it will be on Wednesday August 12th at 4pm uh, CEST and uh, other things coming up Improving the contactless customer experience. That's another webinar uh, featuring Yuan uh, Lilirus and Yuan Sommar from our partner Avencia, uh, led by Julie Cooper, our partner manager. And you will learn about how to decide a seamless customer experience, uh, looking at how your tech stack can support the omnichannel world, and also to see how you can deliver and exceed customer expectations. Uh, another thing is uh, user-generated content, uh, and that is done by Sigma and Flipside. So uh, we have Adan Hultgren, um, Partner Ambassador of the Year uh, for last year, and Stefan Karlström, CEO at Gula Katten, that will talk about how you can use the crowd in order to, to uh, provide product information and build up valuable information from external experts. And then we have the big event of the year, Pinpoint Digital 2020. And we have a lot of interests. It's going to be the, the biggest event we have ever done. And I really encourage you to sign up for it. It's free of charge. You can. It will be on October 5th through 9th. And it's going to be a lot of content all these days. So again, go to the InRiver website, the About Us section and events, and sign up for these webinars, and especially for Pinpoint Digital 2020. I really hope to see you there. 
Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips, and questions, you can email us at pimtalk@inriver.com or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And if you would like to see some behind-the-scenes material, bloopers, and live streams, you can follow Pim Talk on Instagram. See you again in two weeks. Bye.